When people come on board, there needs to be operational manuals, structured chart of accounts, how-tos on everything. How do you build out a store? What does it cost? What are the components? So it was a lot of building of all the base documents that a new franchise would need. And then also working on the legal. It's a 130-page franchise agreement. This is Retained Learnings, a podcast where Canadian finance leaders share strategic advice and potential solutions to answer some of the finance department's most important questions. I'm your host, Rob Kazam, the founder and CEO of Float. Thanks for listening, and I hope you learned something from today's episode. As I speak to different CFOs and finance leaders, it's becoming clear the role is unique from company to company. There are many factors that influence a CFO's responsibilities. The age of the business, the size of the finance team, if the business is private or public, and the industry of the business, to name a few. The company structure must also be at play. For example, being the CFO at a company that uses a franchise business model is very different from a SaaS startup. So in this episode, we're joined by Laura Wittholtz, the CFO at The Ten Spot. Laura joined The Ten Spot nearly 15 years ago when it had a single location on Toronto's Queen Street. As The Ten Spot grew, so did Laura's role. She helped lead the company through the franchising process in 2012, and by 2020, franchises had opened across Canada. Further expansion plans were well underway when the pandemic hit in March 2020. And as CFO, Laura had to pivot. Her focus would be the survival of the 10-spot franchises during the next two years. In our conversation, she shared the ups and downs of her journey in that franchising process, the experience of being a finance leader in an unprecedented two years for the service industry, and some really great advice on what helps Laura to be a successful finance leader. Well, thanks very much for joining us today on Retained Learnings, Laura. Thanks for having me. To start, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm the CFO at The Ten Spot, which is a chain of beauty bars across Canada and the US. We're a franchise-based business. I had love of finance from a young age. I got 100% in an accounting course in grade 10 and just my my heart was set on it. So um, I worked to become a CPA. I've always liked working for small businesses. So my whole career has been in industry and based around small businesses. I love working with creative entrepreneurs who are trying to scale. And I met Kristen in the back of a limo in my 30s. We were at a bachelorette party. I'd never met her before. And she sat down beside me. I said, how's your day going? She said, really crappy because my accountant just quit. And I said, hey, I do accounting (laughs) for small businesses. And she asked me to start on Tuesday and I did. So she became one of my clients. Um, and then we've been working together ever since. So that was 15 years ago. So the takeaway, networking is important. Bachelorette parties, you never know who you yeah. can meet on a Just trip. Just get into the limo. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it is about accounting that drew you in in the first place? Is it the certainty? Is it the numbers? Um, I'm always really fascinated to hear what led people into their career. Definitely the certainties and the numbers resonates with me. I I was always good at math, but not a super studious student. So 100% was just, I didn't even think it was right. There's just a satisfaction with things balancing out and the story that you can see behind numbers. That's what I love looking at financials and starting to deeply understand the business and what's going on. I got a coveted co-op placement at a surf shop. I did their books. I kind of 
been doing accounting since before computers. So I did everything with the cards and all that. But yeah, I've always just loved just all the pieces of it. And I think I love the process, like the organization of it. So as the CFO at 10Spot, maybe to start, tell everyone a bit more about 10Spot. We know now how you got your start there. When did you join the company and what do they do? And has your role evolved over your time there? So the 10Spot is a beauty bar concept. It's manicures, pedicures, waxing, and facials and lasers. So we do the core services and it's the best of the services you need. So we have the manicure, the facial. It's not a really complicated, all kinds of things going on. We're, we're there to make sure everybody gets the services that they want. Our mission is to make everybody feel like a 10. It was started on Queen Street West in Toronto in 2006 by Kristen Gale. She started at 23 with this shop on Queen West and just uh, gained a really big cult following in the neighborhood. So when I came on board, it was purely as bookkeeping and accounting, but right away we clicked and we just, we were both young and just started talking about the opportunities to grow the business, looking at operational efficiencies, systematizing the processes, which wasn't common in the spa industry, in high-end spas it was. So we worked on that together and saw amazing growth at Queen West and started looking at how to scale the business beyond one location. Interesting. And so what was your role during the initial franchising process? And can you give a bit of background on you know how that decision was made? As the company started to grow and as we looked at expanding, we opened three more corporate models and really worked on the systems again to build, build the brand. And then we hit a bit of a wall in 2008, just having such a young owner and four locations. And we had accessed the small business loans in Canada. And then the financial crisis happened and the banks tightened up on lending post-2008. So we were still wanting to scale and our businesses were doing amazing and we needed to figure out how to grow. So she had a contact the owner of CarStart. It's a franchise business that does auto mechanics. And she went for a meal with with that person and talked about franchising. And then we looked into it and we contacted the Canadian Franchise Association, got in touch with a great lawyer. So my role during franchising was a lot of systemization of the business model. So franchising is a business in a box. When people come on board, there needs to be operational manuals, structured chart of accounts, uh, how-tos on everything. I did heavy construction work as well. I had done most of the construction of the four corporate stores with Kristen. So how do you build out a store? What does it cost? What are the components? Um, And then also working on the legal, which is, it's a 130-page franchise agreement. It's a massive document um, that just explains every single little thing about your business because people have to know what they're getting into. And I guess that's that's sort of the unique part of the CFO role at a franchiser. Is that that quite different from the CFO of a larger business, a company-owned corporate business, um, systemizing, playbooking? Could you expand on that a bit? I'm assuming all businesses have systemization, but we're selling systemization. So it has to be tight and you have to have um, the proper support for the franchisees. I think with franchising we get a small percentage of the revenues of each 
location that's open. That's how franchising works. So you get a royalty that gets paid up to the head office, but it's a smaller amount. So usually head offices of franchises have a very tight head office group of people. It's not multiple layers until franchising is about the number of units you have. So franchises that have 200 units, they would have a bigger accounting team, but usually most of the money is going into operations and also scaling the business. So I think my role as the CFO, I've played all different parts throughout the growth of the 10 spot from construction management, operations, finance, and we'll we'll come to the pandemic shortly because uh, you've got a, a tremendous story about persevering, you know, th- and leading through it. Prior to the pandemic, though, what was your main area of focus as the CFO? Was it about that franchising model? Was it about you driving operational improvements? Um, how might that have been different than post-pandemic? Pre-pandemic, I had moved away from the operational support. We had hired people in operations to take care of that t- part of the business, and my. Um, focus was on scaling and uh, looking for new opportunities. So we wanted to go to the U.S. We had partnered with BDC and they had a growth driver program, which was they took scaling, smaller scaling businesses and and supported them through uh, coaching and mentoring and financing to scale up. So that program was amazing. We finished it about two months before the pandemic, we opened our first U.S. bar four weeks before the pandemic. So before the pandemic, I was very, very much moving towards pure finance and strategy and growth for the company. And during the pandemic, you know, service businesses like the Tenswat were were really significantly impacted. Um, could you expand a bit on sort of how that all unfolded and as a result, how your role shifted during those two years? For us, just like everybody else, all the doors closed in March 2020. What was unique about our business model is we kept getting hit over and over again through 2020 and 2021. We had seven months of closure in 2021. Um, I think the only other industry, and this is in Ontario, so a majority, 75% of our businesses are in Ontario, Um, but we had seven months of closures even through to 2021 our revenue stream dried up pretty pretty quick. And we had to make a lot of really tough decisions about the head office team that we had built. And it ended up during the pandemic, it was me and the CEO doing all the roles uh, because even though the locations were closed as a franchise model, we needed to be there to support our franchisees and to keep things going. What goes through your mind when that first happened? That must've been a really challenging time any reflections or takeaways uh, for others that might be encountering these types of challenges as we go into a different economic climate, obviously, in the year ahead? We were naive. I don't think I, I anticipated the pandemic to last two years or for the impact that it had. If we didn't have the support of BDC and our and our coach at the time, we would have made a lot of bad decisions. It's hard to make those hard calls to you know lay people off or or to have to cut services or whatever you have to do. But what helped us through it was having cash in the bank. So we weren't heavily leveraged, just our business structure. We had always had to kind of make our own money to grow. 
And I follow a methodology called scaling up. And it's about having cash in the bank. So we had spent years getting operating cash in the bank, which got us through the first few months. But we had an inflated expense portion of the P&L. And when I really just got serious about it and started cutting, because we were scaling, we were growing, we had funds, and then you go to like just nothing. So we really had to pull back on expenses. The advice I'd give to people who like even moving through the recession is just make sure you understand your cash. We look at our cash on a weekly basis now, but during the pandemic, it was on a daily basis because things were changing so fast. And I've moved away from fixed forecasting. We do rolling forecasting. During the pandemic, I was updating it on a weekly basis, like 12-month projections. It was a ton of work, but we just kept redoing the modeling, redoing the modeling, best case, base case, uh, worst case, and just making our like making sure we were, we were prepared financially and operationally for whatever was coming down the pipe at us. You mentioned the scaling up methodology. For those not familiar with it, myself included, could you could you describe it a bit? What's the uh, the premise of that methodology? It used to be called the Rockefeller Habits. It's by Vern Harnish. He basically made a book called Scaling Up that pulls in like every amazing business book into one. So it's one book, but it'll take you three years to get through if you want to do it all. But everything breaks down into four things, people, cash, execution, and strategy. You look at where your business is and what you need to focus on, and it offers support towards those things. So strategy-wise, when we had started the business, we didn't have a one-page strategic plan. We didn't have a mission, vision, Um, So for any new business, starting the strategy, setting up a framework for strategy and a cadence of meetings is in this book. The cash portion of the book is great with how to build cash flow, how to get cash quicker. So as businesses try to recover after the challenging past two years, how are you working differently now with your franchises? So now... I'm personally working closely with the franchises almost on a more operational level where we're looking at the profit loss statements. I'm personally looking at the profit loss statements of every location and working with the operations team to try to identify opportunities. Right now, there's a labor shortage that's affecting our business. We're one-on-one, like one-to-one ratio for services. Um, So that's been impacting our revenue along with the increased interest rates and inflation that everybody's seeing. Uh, So I'm still working on strategy, but it's kind of been refocused towards the existing bars, looking at their financials and then looking at the business model as a whole with a new lens on it, seeing what we can cut there um, service-wise, if there's unprofitable services and really focusing on the key drivers of our revenue. and of the profit of each bar. So if there's a service that has a bigger margin, how do we how do we leverage that and and get rid of the services that don't have the margins? So we're really deep diving again into the business model and just trying to see what we can do to what opportunities are there um, in the new under the new circumstances. Selling systemization is probably not something many finance leaders think about when they join a growing retail business. 
Not only does the business model need to work for a brand's own locations, but it has to work so well that franchises will buy in. By wearing many hats and getting outside help, Laura seemed well prepared to help franchise the 10 spot when the time arrived. Now let's hear some of the advice Laura shared based on her years of finance experience. So what is something you'd tell a future VP of finance or CFO that you wish you had known earlier in your career? The advice I'd give them is to really work on your people skills and your relationship skills. So I was very into the numbers. I think I've learned over the years that it's important to to have relationships beyond the numbers, to have conversations beyond the numbers. I was just very direct in meetings like soft skills were lacking. So I've worked on those over the years. And I think it's a really good thing for any CFO to have and to be able to have conversations with everybody in the organization. Because I really do see the the finance role and the role of the CFO. You have to understand every department, everything that's going on and have good relationships with people so that you're getting the information you need to make strategic decisions. So that would be my advice is just hone those soft skills. (laughs) And your role at the 10 spot has evolved from, you know, being a controller to the CFO. For listeners who want to follow a path like that, what advice do you have for them? Yeah, for me, um, I got great experience doing bookkeeping, accounting, controller, and I would say self-learning and a growth mindset was huge for me. I didn't really wait to get mentored. I, I seek out knowledge. I want to learn. I want to feel uncomfortable and get out of my comfort zone. I had a whole strategic plan for myself that was like, I have to do X, Y, Z. I need to focus on this. Every year I set up new goals for myself for learning. I would also say just be vocal. So even as a bookkeeper, like I knew my role (laughs) and what I had to do, but I always gave more. I haven't waited Till a job description comes or till a raise comes, I'm just all in all the time. And you're close to celebrating your 15 year anniversary at the 10th yeah. spot. I believe I believe you got a, a special <laughs> tattoo related to your years of service. Can you tell us about oh, that? Yeah. yeah. So um, that was my 10 year anniversary. I uh, was taken out for dinner and then taken to a tattoo parlor. So our CEO has like a very cute little X dot on her wrist. Um, and then some employees saw it and they got X dots on their wrist. And then on my 10-year anniversary, they all took me to a tattoo parlor to get a little X dot logo on my wrist. And it's been spreading. We did four tattoos at our annual conference um, last month in Montreal. So yeah, people just love the brand and are invested to it. And I think it's like tattoos aren't as permanent anymore, but this one's permanent for me. I'll keep it forever. It's a big part of my life. Um, but yeah, it's a fun culture thing that we have. I, <laughs> I don't know any other company tattooing their employees right now other than tattoo parlors, but yeah, it's working for us. <laughs> that's, a, that's a first. I, m- I might have to talk to the float team about that. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll start <laughs> spreading the, the tattoo practice. This is exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Laura, thank you so much. Uh, A wealth of knowledge and experience and wisdom that you've shared with us. We really appreciate you telling us about your experience and uh, how you've overcome uh, really, really interesting, you know, business challenges through the pandemic. It's it's certainly a a once in a lifetime kind of event and fascinating to hear the story directly. 
Where can our guests find more about you and the 10 spot? So you can go to the 10 spot.com. Uh, we have 42 locations across Canada and the U S doing all kinds of great beauty services for everybody. So come by and we'll make you feel like a 10 and yeah, that's the best way online, online booking. Thanks for having me. This is great. I really love the show. Pandemic proof that leadership positions evolve sometimes overnight. Like when Laura and the 10 spot were gearing up for us expansion and she had to change course. Scaling the business was replaced by reviewing franchisee P&Ls. But as a CFO, you have to do what it takes to keep the business financially afloat, even if it means stepping into more hands-on operations. The past few years have been a reminder that we can't predict everything the future has in store. Just like Laura couldn't have predicted when she got into that limo, she'd be the 10 spots CFO 15 years later, tattooed with a company logo. And while the finance function takes a more strategic role in businesses, it requires continued professional development. Laura mentioned she worked on her people skills over the years. This no doubt helped her through the tough conversations during the pandemic. I agree with Laura that getting better with people is good advice for all leaders. Thanks again, Laura, for joining us on Retained Learnings. Thank you for listening to this episode of Retained Learnings. We want to reach as many Canadian finance professionals as possible. So if you have two minutes to spare, we'd love for you to rate and review the new show. Sharing on social media helps too, and you can tag at Flowcard. I'm Rob Kazam, and until next time, take care.